in a cinematic universe where there should have been only one. A greedy production company will send multiple Zeistians to resurrect the Highlander. Okay, now let me just see if I can get this straight. You're mortal there, but you're immortal here until you kill all the guys from there who have come here, and then you're mortal here. Unless you go back there, or some more guys from there come here, in which case you become immortal here, again. Something like that. There are a lot of bad movies out there. Listen as we try to find the ones that are so bad, they're actually good. Is it just bad? Or is it exceptionally bad? Bad movies with your friends. Bad movies with your friends. Oh, yeah. Hey, welcome to Season 3 of the Exceptionally Bad Podcast. I'm Nate. I'm Ben. I'm Brant. I'm Bracken. And I'm Danny. And we are Exceptionally Bad. Whoop, whoop. So we are into season three. We just had a wonderful award show for season yeah. two. Woohoo! Congratulations yes. to all the winners. Uh, we now have a gilded BM that we just have an actual trophy on on the table yeah. in the podcasting studio. You can check it out at our website <laughs> at exceptionallybad.com. So uh, this season we decided to tackle sequels. So the question I have for you all is. Should we refer to this season always as Exceptionally Bad 3, the season of the sequel in, uh, in honor of Halloween 3? Um, no, it should be Exceptionally Bad, Exceptionally Badder. <laughs> exceptionally Worster. Exceptionaler Baddest. <laughs> exceptionally Bad, the Exceptionally Baddening. <laughs> Revenge of the Baddening. <laughs> Exceptionally bad too. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> so, uh, before we start, we talk about the film. Um, what, what do you guys think when you think of sequels? What's typically what people think of sequels? Oh, The Empire Strikes Back, or Aliens, yeah. or Terminator Two, or so those are good sequels. Yeah, but I think for me at least. The, my first thought is that a sequel is usually not as good as the original. Right. That's what I expect. But there are those standout ones, like the ones you mentioned, that are as good as, if not better, than the original. But those are rare cases. I would say, though, like, I think times have changed a little bit. Yes. Where there was a time where everything was just a one-off. Like, there mm-hmm. wasn't any of this planned multi-cross universe, right. like Tenpole. Marvel and... Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings, where it's like, no, we're just planning three. Or Harry Potter, where it's like, no, we're just going to make a trillion right. of them, right? Right. It was, you're going to make one. You put all your eggs in that basket. And if it does well. Right. And then. We'll worry about the second one when the time well, comes. Well, right. And the understanding was like, okay, clearly this is a cash grab, but let's go see, you know, let's right. go see it. And then it was kind of, it was either great mm-hmm. or it lands in our court. Yeah. What they did. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of those ones that are not so good. Uh, the things that uh, that stand out to me is like they recycle everything from the first one. Yep. It's like, oh, all the funny parts, the same jokes. Let's tell them again. Yep. You know, 
and let's just do everything that we did the first time the second time. Because it's still funny. Yeah. Well, it's like, again, it's, you know, I think we talked about this. I don't remember what movie, but where I think it was with the Golden Globus one where where Uh we were talking about they kept making movies, but they didn't understand what made those first ones special. That's right. And so they're just like, I don't know. Let's just remake that movie slightly differently. Yes. <laughs> and did not capture lightning they, in a bottle. They didn't understand the, yeah, the good part. And they, right. <laughs> that's so funny. The best sequels are direct-to-video. <laughs> I would agree with that. They're so good, they skip the theater. Do you have a favorite direct-to-video sequel? <laughs> Uh, Land Before Time 37 was... Oh, I think I saw 36, not 37. Yeah. I saw that one. 37's like when they hit the Ice Age. Oh, right, right, right. Speaking of, Ice Age actually does, does fall into that category. Doesn't it, doesn't it freeze over and melt and freeze oh, over and melt goodness. with all those different sequels? Well, so I think also, um, some, would a spinoff movie maybe be kind of a sequel? Yeah, yeah right. I mean it's technically a little different thing, but I I think that it can, like the qualify. Scorpion King series, <laughs> Scorpion King, right? Yeah. <laughs> or like the the Penguins of Madagascar. Oh gosh, ended yes. up having their own movie. Yeah. Um, Are there any movies that you wish they had made a sequel of? Mac and Me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of Mac and Me, Talking Cat. It could still happen. Well, it could they still set happen. it up for a sequel. They were going to well, come back. So, a Talking Cat, there, there are, there's more in the Talking Animal series. There's a Talking Pony. Yeah. And a Talking Puppy. Um, Didn't is... they make a, a good movie about the, the follow-up to that? Isn't that like The Life of Pi? Isn't yeah. that yeah. the follow-up to A Talking Cat? That's, oh, my goodness. That's Duffy as an adult. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Oh. Bracken just looks disappointed for those that can't see. Every once in a while, I see Bracken's face, and he's like, "Wait, what am I doing here?" <laughs> he did have that face on most of the film. Oh. Just a full oh. two hours of reevaluating life decisions. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I feel like there were a lot of sequels when we were kids. Like, I, as I'm sitting here, we. we I know we've discussed a lot of the movies we're going to be doing this season. Mm-hmm. We haven't necessarily locked them all down yet. Right. But um, I was just thinking of like the Belaxdine Returns and things like that, where like these random obscure sequels you never really heard of. Staying Alive. Staying Alive. <laughs> and I don't know. Just, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you had a favorite sequel that maybe meant a lot to you as a kid. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That Yes, that, that was Crusade is a great sequel. That is a good sequel. Yeah, I feel like the Indiana Jones like Raiders was great. Uh, Temple of Doom was not great, but not bad. Yeah, Last Crusade was great, and then there's another one coming out soon, right? Yeah, no, five. The, the fourth one, the the Crystal Skull one, came yeah, out. That's right. Benz's were, Benz's were not supposed to. Benz's we don't acknowledge the existence that of that one. <laughs> Remember, he said that if you want to enter this home. <laughs> I'll be spending the rest of the so, podcast sitting on the porch. So that's the last you're hearing from Brant today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I like the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I feel like the odd numbered ones, one, three, and five, are good ones, but two and four are bad. So speaking of that, what have you watched the Jason series? Uh, which. <laughs> Like the original, like the, like so the Bourne? original nightmare, not Jason or, Bourne, like Jason the horror movies. Yeah, the um, Friday the Thirteenth. As they get lo- further and further, yeah, I want to say, 
I think it's the 10th one, but Jason X. Yeah. The whole premise is it happens in the far future. Because I don't remember the setup, but somehow they defrost Jason on a space station. (laughs) And he gets this weird, like, nano armor and this, like, crazy sci-fi blade. It's the stupidest thing ever. So That's beyond jumping the shark. I'll tell you, so there's a thing, since we're talking about that, there's a thing with some sequels, and I think we're going to experience this a lot this season. And that is when... uh, you have your first original movie and it's got this kind of mythos or this, this story. And then the second movie comes out and kind of throws that all away or key parts of it. Mm -hmm. Let's, so this, this brings up uh, the concept of a retcon. Mm -hmm. Does somebody want to explain what a retcon is? Because this is something we might talk about. I think this season. Yeah. We might even talk about it today. Today. (laughs) (laughs) The best way I would describe it is a plot eraser. Okay, that's right. That's the simplest way to put it. It's like, I didn't like that part, or that doesn't fit into our current story. We need to erase that part and or just forget about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, like retroactive? Well, it, it stands for retroactive continuity. Okay. And uh, in my mind, the best example, or the simplest example is the Beauty and the Beast animated film by Disney. At the end of the original Beauty and the Beast... Uh, they fall in love and the beast turns into the prince back into the human. We probably should have done a spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> but then the in the straight to DVD Beauty and the Beast 2, they need him to be a beast again. So they just kind of forget about the whole fact that he turned into a human and they don't ever explain it. They just kind of go on as if He's still the beast. Don't they also do that in the Little Mermaid sequels? Do they? Yes, of course. Right? She's a like, mermaid again. She's yeah. the little lady with legs. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't work as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are like easy to see retcons, but there are harder ones. I mean, you have to be a real fan of Star Wars to understand the retconning that happens in Star Wars. The prequels did a bunch of retconning. Midichlorians. Midichlorians and... Shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, and, well, and then the the sequel trilogy also changed right. the mythos around. But um, I, we we you know I don't want to alienate our listener, so we. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, so we talk about retcons. We talk about sequels. Um, when we sat down and wrote down a paper, this podcast. The movie we watched today, Highlander 2, The Quickening, was the first movie I recommended for us to watch <laughs> on the show. It's like the first thing I put on the list. This is like a very well-known bad movie. Yeah. Uh, as a podcast first, this is our first movie that has a 0% Rotten Tomato score. Wow. <laughs> like not zero point, just zero. Has yeah. 25 reviews, all negative. They rounded up to zero. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then the audience score is only 22%. Right. So you know, that's one of those rare instances where they're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those 22% probably come from people who just love to torture themselves and and just, you know, love almost a cult following, basically. So, well, so the Highlander-verse, yes. cinematic universe... Whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, that's what we call it now, a cinematic yeah. universe. But like the Highlander concept and 
it has a fan base, right? There's four movies yeah. somehow, yep. and a TV series, yep. cartoon, video games. Like it was, it was a real thing, or is a real thing. I know people who are big fans of the Highlander stuff. Yeah, and so there are people who truly love this movie. Yeah, I can understand loving all of the other stuff, but not this movie, man. I saw this movie before I saw the original Highlander. <laughs> Why would you ever go back and watch the first one after watching this? <laughs> so this came out in 1991, and I was at that perfect age where yeah. the sword fights and... Lightning effects? And the lightning... Yeah, like, it, you know, it was... And it was the rare kind of R-rated movie I was allowed to watch, mm-hmm. so like I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then I watched the original Highlander, and I thought, well... The second one's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to go back and watch it to be like, none of that made any sense. I must be missing something. Uh, yeah, so I think I watched it twice as a teenager. And then, like, Brant and I walked in together from outside. And we were both talking about, like, it's probably been since, like, 1992 since yeah. we've seen this movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Highlander 2, The Quickening. So, Nate, can you explain the core reason why highlander 2 doesn't work well yeah like explain the, 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 the fact first. that there's even a sequel okay so uh for those listeners who have not seen the original highlander movie it is it came out in 1986 um i talked to bracken before the show he says that that, that movie is actually worthy of our show <laughs> uh i don't know that it's that bad but uh it doesn't hold up very well yeah but uh it it follows uh, Christopher Lambert. He plays a, a man named Connor McLeod. He's born in the 14, Highlands, Highlands 15, of Scotland, fifteen something yeah. or other, and he dies in battle. But then he comes back to life because he is. It turns out he's one of these people that is born as an immortal. I, I guess there's air quotes around immortal yeah. because they can die if you decapitate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, and so that's kind of the hook in this thing is just this mythos that there's we don't even know how many of them there are but they so there's a select number of these immortals and they're drawn to each other and they all instinctively know that there can only be one left and when that one is left he gets the prize Mm -hmm. they don't know what the prize is um but that's that's the whole premise of that movie so across the centuries they're Cutting each other's heads yeah, off until finding, there's one left. They're finding each other and decapitating each other. So, one <laughs> thing that makes it kind of cool is that they're all swordsmen. Mm-hmm. They're you know they don't use a lot of guns. I mean, I guess if you strafed really fast, you could decapitate <laughs> right. someone with bullets. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I feel like a good, well placed hand grenade would solve yeah. a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> in Highlander 1, did they use any, like, rope, twine? <laughs> Only um, swords that I, we I, saw. I, from what I remember. I mean, I did watch it, like, two months ago. But I watched I, it two days ago. I watched it uh, last week. Last week, yeah. yeah. And uh, I still thought it was fun. The first one, the Queen does a lot of the soundtrack. Yes. And, and they do a great... Queen does a great job. Yep. Um, so, that's, so that's Highlander. So Highlander comes out, and it does pretty well. So... It, I mean, as a spoiler, it ends with one yeah. Highlander left. Connor McLeod. Or one Immortal left. One Connor McLeod. Connor McLeod is left. And the, the prize turns out to be 
uh, that the U.S. gets to put a space station above <laughs> Parmistan. No. Uh, wait, 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 wait. That's sounding a lot like Jim Cotta. <laughs> no, I mean, sorry, I got that mixed up. So, Are the, you sure about that? This is a fencing-based movie, not a g- gymnastics-based movie. <laughs> so the prize turns out to be that he gets to be mortal. And what he, a stupid prize. Well, so they... Uh, and, and this is going to seem weird to like a modern audience because most people will be like, because the, the immortal people, they, they weren't able to have their own kids. Right. That was one of the things which, you know, in today's society where no one wants kids, they're like, sweet! <laughs> but like, um, Sean Connery was the mentor who yes. gets killed in the first one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I think we've mentioned it on the show before, Sean Connery, the Scotsman who usually only ever uses the Sean Connery voice. Mm-hmm. It plays the Egyptian Spaniard. Yes. <laughs> with the last name Ramirez. Ramirez. He, he's got a Spanish name. <laughs> with the best costume ever. And so we're going too much into Highlander. <laughs> so that's so that's how Highlander ends. It's a very packaged together, one and done movie. That's right. But it did well. Mm-hmm. So production companies like, alright, well what about the sequel? And it's kinda like, well, did you not see the movie? <laughs> there can be only one, there and there is only... only one. So we kind of killed off all of the other immortals. So he, what's he going to do? We could do some more flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and then there's there's some of this stuff where it's like uh, Christopher Lambert is like, okay, I'll do it, but I want Sean Connery in it. And yeah. they're like, uh, we killed him off. <laughs> Yeah, so he, like he was gonna walk if they didn't get Sean Connery to be in it because they had so much fun together on right. the first one. Um, <laughs> You're a writer, you figure it out. So uh, I don't even know. There's so much we could talk about with this movie. I don't know where do we want to start. We want to do a plot synopsis. We want to talk about what, all the crazy. Why don't you ex- explain the plot real quick? Okay, should I do it or do the, you think people are already tired of my voice? Uh, Bracken. Uh, Wait, he fell asleep. <laughs> so, so there's these muses from no, from yeah, Olympus, and there's singing and uh, living in John's. Oh wait, that's and different. then this this guy comes in and he keeps spitting coffee at me. Um, I could do it. Do you remember? I, I I like to do synopsis very short. Yeah, do it. So um, it's just kind of. You guys knew a lot more about it from when I was watching, but I guess there was aliens and they were, I don't know. Anyway, there's global warming happening and they decide to put up a shield and Christopher Lambert's character creates this this force field that goes around the earth to protect the earth from the sun rays. So you basically can't ever see the sun in the movie and uh, these aliens need to break through the shield somehow, I guess. And uh, they send these two bird people, I don't know, with goggles. Okay. Uh, ben, how about you give us a synopsis? Yeah. I think Bracken watched a different movie. No, no he didn't. This is what's so keep funny. Going, is he's going. absolutely right. No, you are. Keep going. Uh, this is the way I would do the plop synopsis. Uh, I enjoyed that. I Bracken, the, that was great. I mean, just build off of what Bracken said, basically. Um, global warming has caused the ozone layer to go away, so they created a, a laser shield to protect the Earth from the radiation of the sun. Uh, and Connor McLeod is the one 
who invented the shield. Um, it turns out that Connor and all of the immortals are aliens from a different planet. From Zeist. From Zeist. And uh, there's a bad guy on Zeist named Katana. And he sends some minions and then himself to go and kill Connor. And uh, just because he doesn't like him, from what I can tell. He's a real and, grudge holder or something. Yeah. And then... Uh, they fight until there's only one again, and it turns out that the ozone layer had healed itself, and Connor turns off the laser shield uh, so that people can see the sun, and still no one ever sees the sun. At night. Because he breaks the shield down at night. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... Do you want to mention the, the eco-terrorist... Oh, gosh. Yeah, so there is a love interest in this one. Uh, so Connor has grown old because this... Oh, this takes place in what year? 2024? 2024. Yeah, there's yep. like a yes. flashback back to 1999. Yep. When so he first builds the shield. The The last... The first movie ended in 1986 when he becomes mortal. So it's now 2024 and he has aged all since that time. His wife from the first movie uh died from sunburn and that's why he decided to build the shield he meets a eco-terrorist who's trying to i don't know what she's trying to do something with the shield she's trying to I see just, if the I ozone think, has healed she's trying to fall in love yeah that's what she's, trying <laughs> she's to looking do. for love in all the wrong aqueducts <laughs> he catches her trying to hack the the shield or something and then they fall in love instantly and which is a throwback to the first film yeah that's true <laughs> i mean that's yeah, yeah then she's there that's and, the plot oh and there is an important part that i forgot that is that sean connery is back in this even though he was killed in the first one they apparently in a flashback they oh so there in 2024 is the future to the to the aliens on Zeist because they're saying you're being sent to the future. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, when they were still Ramirez and, and Connell McCloud, it's a bit confusing. Yeah, on Zeist, they like get married. Those two guys, like <laughs> this is a weird ceremony. Yeah, they they become one. They do is what they say. Yeah. yeah, and Ramirez says, "If you ever need me, just call me." <laughs> Basically, and, yeah. Yeah. And so after... <laughs> Even if I'm dead. Yes. So he's dead for he's, hundreds of years. He is super immortal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, after fighting the weird bird people that... Uh, the minions. The yeah. minions. Uh, McCloud cuts their heads off, absorbs their powers or whatever, and the then cookie. screams, Ramirez! And then Ramirez... Comes to life in the middle of a Shakespeare stage, thinking that he's actually in old times again. in old timey stuff, and he's talking to Hamlet. So, and, can I give you uh, Roger Ebert's uh, like his description of that ceremony? Sure. So, <laughs> this is in his review. He says, "Film note: 
quickening is a process by which two people touch each other and are surrounded by special effects, making it look as if one of them is standing in a puddle and the other had just stuck his finger into a light socket. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes. That's about as much explanation as we ever get about the quickening. I would say, I, I mean, I love Roger Ebert. He was great, but he did not point out that all the windows for 12 blocks blow out. Yeah, wow. yeah. And every car Let's explodes. Let's talk about that scene for a second. Man, I've never seen an explosion like that before. So, I know that actually happens in the first one. Yeah, the first, every time. The, especially the first time you see him do the quickening in the modern era. Like, yeah. Factory windows. Like factory shatters. windows. Like, yeah. the block goes dark because yeah. it just all explodes. But, um, yeah, so that... I felt like that was maybe like there were some callbacks to the first movie in that regard, but yeah, when the quickening happens, it's like mass destruction. Yeah, for the first two, yeah, then a subsequent one was like, pew, pew, done, <laughs> and that's it. That's the all one that was like the climactic the climax, one yeah. was like, you know, ten seconds long, and it was like no big deal. Maybe the quickening couldn't perform under pressure. <laughs> They, it was like they had three or four different skyscrapers full of just glass windows all around the street. And each and every single window exploded with glass and just shot out the glass with fire and explosions into this little alleyway. It's just, wow. It's like, wow. It's yeah. pretty, pretty huge. It was the whole budget. Was on... I mean, I, so for as stupid as this movie is, like... I, it was an impressive scene. Like, yeah, I thought it was really cool. You get a sense of the power and I don't know otherworldliness of it. I had a f- even more favorite scene, but we'll talk about that right after this. Oh yeah. So are we gonna record yet? Oh, we're back. Oh, we're back. What was that favorite thing you wanted to mention, Bracken? Well, I don't know if it's a good time or not, but I wanted to talk about Sean Connery's makeover scene. Because that was the... I love that. That was, that was my... Well, that was the funnest part of the movie for me. Well, I was almost thinking about... Uh, I was hoping uh, they would have done Yakety Sacks right. like Benny Hill and stuff. I was thinking of that horrible makeover scene in Xanadu when they go shopping. Oh, yes. But this one was like... This one was fun because they were... Measuring Sean Connery's neck for the new suit and to get him out of that costume, which was so horrific. And from the first one, he he does show up in that one again. But then he gets some really cool Scottish suit um, digs, and it was pretty. I don't yeah, know. they're playing the William William Tell overture. Oh right, yeah. he he says, "I need it by three and yeah. they're like and then he pulls off his earring. Yeah, well, they're I like, "We're going to pay for this." Yeah, I remember that that theme song from. Uh, the you know the Lone Ranger Lone Rangers yeah. yeah show for for people that know what that is uh, yeah it, it was well, just incredible he goes in and they're like this is the oldest finest you know clothier yeah. in Scotland and he's like okay and he's like I'm the oldest person in Scotland <laughs> did he have any money I mean he no that's what I'm saying that he was the whole, he earring. pulled off he had, his earring he had that earring. With a pearl. It's a oh, pearl that's earring. why he gave him that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought he was saying, match this. I yeah, don't know. The guy tells <laughs> him. <laughs> 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 
was okay. Like, and then someone's like, it pulls off. I'm like, yeah, yeah what's the point? This is just got a nice name. little clip on earring with the pearl. It was a clip on pearl, yeah. But he's got okay. that nice, like, Harris tweed. He looks like yeah. a Scottish laird who's going to mm-hmm. go out and is going to have his, uh, his valet and other people, like, you know, uh, Slam down the grass with the birds, so the ducks will go flying, and he's gonna That's shoot right. That's yeah. what he looks like. Some pretty tight um, boots and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's, and, it's cool. uh, it was great. Every scene with Sean Connery was great. Yep, he was great in this movie. Uh, we were joking, but I think that it was pretty consistent that also there were bagpipes playing every time we saw him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was like. <laughs> Every time you see Darth Vader on scene, That's right? <laughs> it's like it's the same thing, but bagpipes. <laughs> Remember, he's Egyptian slash Spanish. I, yeah. I would expect like a Spanish ballad or something. So not he, like Scottish. He show he he shows up. Stupid. He shows up where he died. Right, right. When he in comes Scotland. In Scotland, yeah. like because that's where he dies in the first one, and it he appears on stage while the guy's in a production of Hamlet. In the scene where he's talking to his friend Skull, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and then so then he Ramirez realizes he's on stage and he leaves, and then it starts playing bagpipe music. Yes, <laughs> I was like, I would, I get that if they were doing Macbeth, but right. Hamlet takes place in Denmark. <laughs> so was... Even to his epic death scene, they have the greatest bagpipe song. <laughs> oh, that song. was wait, they left that up up for interpretation we never actually saw him die especially because mcleod in case he wants to come back for the has his sword later which we clearly see him not take (laughs) so i was thinking why did he do this movie because he this is in 1991 this Mm -hmm. is two years after last crusade um he does a cameo in uh, robin hood prince of thieves also in 1991 right um, I mean, Sean Connery is the man right now. Everyone and, loves him at that and this, point. Yeah. At this point in his career, he can do anything. He doesn't need to do. You know, he's already done the Hunt for Red October a couple of years prior mm-hmm. to this. He's on the. T- he's at the pinnacle of Hollywood, right? I mean, yeah. he's a legend already as James Bond, um, but he's still getting all these great parts. Um, why would he do a sequel to Highlander? Well, I have a. I have an idea. Oh, okay. He got paid three and a half million dollars to work for nine days. <laughs> well, I heard but that he didn't keep he the money. Donated he donated all that. He donated the money to charity. Yeah. yeah. I think that he did it because, I mean, I think he probably just did it because him and Lambert are buddies. Yeah, they're okay. friends. They were friends. Yeah. They had so much fun. They just you can see fun. they could have fun in this movie. Yeah. They were having fun in this movie. They clearly had a connection at their little bonding ceremony. Like, <laughs> I think they were just like. We were like, are they married? Now? Let's roll a camera into the bar <laughs> while these guys they, are just drinking and we'll I make think something they up. Were married. Yeah, so there like, were now we're one. <laughs> yeah. I saw lots of things that were there were apparently a there was a lot of partying happening off stage and uh, also a lot of wooing of yeah, uh, Lam- the locals. Yeah, Lambert and Connery. They were both. They're making <laughs> making their way through the ladies. So this is this was shot in Argentina. Is that yes, right? in Argentina. Okay. Yeah. It didn't look like it was shot in Argentina. Mm-hmm. It really looked like it was on a studio it didn't, back lot. Yeah. You know, it looked like it was in Tim Burton's Gotham City. Is it did. Yeah, it, for it sure. sure it did. Versus and a little bit of Blade Runner, or maybe a lot yeah, of Blade lot Runner. Of Burning, Runner. I mean, in. was there anything that said Argentina anywhere? There were a couple or of mountain shots, weird. you know, yeah. at, but that was maybe tw- twenty seconds. So the was president it supposed... of the president of the country had a cameo. Yeah, uh, was, I don't. 
Was it uh, supposed to be set in Argentina? No, it wasn't. It was okay. just filmed okay. in Argentina. I just want to make sure. Maybe where the dam is with the water. <laughs> oh, the maybe that's plants. what it is. Maybe but it's the dam. I couldn't think of anything else. So, uh, is Argentina where Eva Perón? Evita, yeah. that takes place in Argentina. Don't cry for me, yeah, Argentina. Argentina, yeah. right. So when they filmed that movie, the the uh, one with Madonna, they filmed that in Budapest because they said that the architecture and everything looked like Argentina, um, which is all kind of old, old-fashioned hmm. buildings, like stone buildings and stuff. And I kind of expected to see that in this film and never saw that, unless... That dam, the one view of the dam that we keep seeing over and over, was in Argentina, and that's Honestly, why they. There were so many it map didn't paintings. Make sense. It did yeah. make it me think of Hungary when I saw that. It didn't yeah. seem like there was any reason to do it in Argentina. Did anybody understand why? Okay, so this supposedly is 2024. Yep. In the the mythos, everything kind of went down in 1999. Yes. Right? Why are all of the cars? Look 1940s. like they already in 1999 are 40 to 60 years old. Right. Did I, think did I just I miss think, something? I think that's the Argentina. Maybe that's what it is. Um, well, and everybody's clothes. It it was a very like it was yeah 40s 50s vibe. It like was, they expect in 2024, everybody looks like they're from the 40s. Those maybe those cars come back into style. Yeah. Fashion yeah. is cyclical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just a dystopian future, and they're using the same old cars. It's yeah. just I don't know. It's just all the know. stuff that the Nazis brought over when they escaped. That's right. Charge. You know what I think it is actually is with that solar shield, it blocked everybody's creativity, <laughs> and so they just couldn't be creative anymore. And they just you know like, hey, we've got grandma's old clothes. Let's just throw so, this on. The, you bring up a really good point because several times it's mentioned that nothing lasts forever, <laughs> except for the Highlander. Uh, but, and, and but, his one-way bond with clearly <laughs> these vehicles last are going to last forever. forever. <laughs> yeah, as long as they're not near a quickening because yeah, they explode. Yeah. In well, that case. you know, all, all bets are off when the quickening's going on. <laughs> yes, like like Grandma used to tell us. <laughs> but uh, so that fashions are never going to go out of style. Yeah, um, and they even have in the soundtrack the it, the theme. This, there's a song. By Queen in the first one, nothing, nothing lasts forever, mm-hmm. and that melody is in the score quite yep. a few times in this. So that's, it's not quite as weird as say over the top that says right. life's not going to meet you halfway, and then the theme song is meet me halfway. <laughs> it's not quite that mixed of a message, <laughs> but uh, there's I guess it's a little bit of irony that that the immortal keeps saying nothing lasts forever. So can we talk about? I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier about how the things that were cool about the first movie mm-hmm. typically get pulled into the second movie. Right. <laughs> one of the cool things about the first one was his sword. Yeah. How long into the movie before we ever see his sword? Like, it seems like you would, if you're going to redo everything, mm-hmm. find a way to get that into the movie immediately. So there are, uh, I'm a sword lover. And there are three iconic swords from the first film. Uh, there's the one that the Kurgan has, which is just like a big broadsword with spikes coming out of the of the guard. There's Connor McLeod's Highlander uh, sword, which is a, a broadsword that has like a half circle 
on the guard that says McLeod on it, but he leaves that at his first wife's grave as like the gravestone. Think William Wallace and right, exactly. And then there is Ramirez's blade, which is a katana with an ivory handle and like a dragon motif carved in it. It's really cool. After Ramirez dies, Connor takes that and that becomes his sword. And so in the modern day, in the 80s, when we see him, he's using that katana. And it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get into this movie. And, I mean, he has a sword fight and doesn't even have a sword the first time. You know, he's using, what, a tire iron or something? It's like a rebar or yeah. something. Um, and then steals one of the minion's swords. And it's like a miniature version of, Kir- of what's his name, Kurgan? Katana? No, the uh, the guy from the first one. Yeah, the Kurgan. The Kurgan. It's like a miniature version of the Kurgan. So it's it's like a very short sword. It still has the spikes coming out of the thing. But it never feels... I mean, it, it looks dumb. It's just barely longer than a dagger. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, this is dumb. And he carries that for almost the entire right? movie. Yeah. Right? And it's like, this cannot especially, be his iconic Especially after he runs into Katana, the bad guy named Katana. The main bad guy. Right? Whose <laughs> sword, like, is retractable, right? Yes. So he, could, he has an extendo sword. It's like a big Conan the Barbarian sword. I, too, have a Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Ring his bubkiss. So the... <laughs> yeah, so he... Yeah, so his sword doesn't show up till Ramirez is wielding it much later in... Yeah, so this is what it frustrated me because I was like, oh, Ramirez is here. We get to see maybe Ramirez has the sword, but he takes Hamlet's sword and has this basket hilted rapier that he takes. And that's the sword he has. It even gets packaged up when he gets his new uh, suit and he takes it with him. Um, And then out of the blue, he fights. So the way he, you know, hooks up with his husband is is they fight, they sword fight each other. At at, at, at McLeod's his, at McLeod's apartment. apartment, were they for real fighting or were they just kind of play fighting? They were play fighting. Uh, yeah, I mean it was. I think it's two master swordsmen, and it's a master and apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were just yeah. te- hadn't seen each other in a while. And he was kind of just testing him. I mean, his, his there was a moment of skills. he wasn't quite sure because he had the blade at his throat, and he's like, "Oh, is he going to cut my head?" Every off? couple has their own little things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> he's using his rapier. He's not using his katana. I, I gotta say, when they wrap up the rapier for him at the at the clothing shop, yeah, like the strap that he puts it over his shoulder <laughs> is a bunch of ties that they yeah. tie together. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell they just whatever uh, they had, they made him a, a carrying case for it. So I thought that was pretty great. But um, I feel like so that's like, a good analogy for this movie, though. Yeah, it was pretty great. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, that's what I'm saying. Put together with those neckties. were the words I was thinking. <laughs> so I guess so. We need to finish with the sword, though. It shows up with like 15 minutes left in the movie, and just randomly, just randomly. Now uh, Ramirez is carrying Ramirez it. is carrying it, and he stabs it in the ground just before he dies, and then he dies as. The, uh, and you Ma- can clearly see the sword is still with him. Yeah, and there's like an explosion and stuff. And then in the next scene, Connor has the katana somehow. Which is weird because McLeod has fought Katana, the character, not the sword. Right. A huge sword battle. Right. Still with that stupid little short sword yeah. that he stole from the <laughs> bird, the, the, porcupine porcupine man. kid. Yeah. With the really weak neck. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, but Ben and I, the whole movie, are like, when is the sword coming? Where's yes. the sword? Where's the sword? And then it comes. And uh, we could talk about the battle when he finally gets to use the sword. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But, like, so that was, that was, a, that was a big disappointment. So was there anything else from the original movie? I mean, what what did you like about the original movie besides the sword that you would have liked to see? Oh, is there other stuff? In this movie. (laughs) Well, it's hard to go from the first movie, like we said before, where every every immortal has died, Mm -hmm. except for him. Uh, I would have liked a little bit more to know what happened with, uh, is her name Brenda? His His wife. His wife. I mean, she's in it. You you find out what happens to Mm -hmm. her. but In like a two-minute cutscene. Yeah, yeah, a little cutscene. No, I don't even think it's two minutes. Yeah, but like, wrong. so like everything about his life with her, it would have been cooler to see. Or maybe if it yeah. took place not so far in the future, like, um, I don't know. But I think you always come back. Do you have to retcon it somehow? You always right. come back to like that was one and done. Mm-hmm. Cool concept. So I think maybe that's the other thing about the first one that I liked is that there's this mythos, but you don't. They never tell you like how it works. Cause, right, because they don't know. Yeah, like, and I kind of liked that. Even you don't the, have to know. You don't have to know like why they were born this way, right? And why the quickening hates windows and like. And... <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. That's what you're describing is one of the things that I loved about the original John Wick movie. I don't think like I I really enjoy the sequel, so I don't yeah. want to say like that I poohoo on that. But what I loved about the first one was there's this whole backstory and all of this cool stuff about like the hotel and the special coins and everything. And it was like incredibly interesting and had really had very little to do with the movie at all. Right. Right. And I think this is a similar kind of thing where there's just all this very interesting original backstory for the setting and you don't have to know or care. It's just like, that's a really interesting piece of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of leaves you wanting to know more, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. don't need to know more. And I think that was, I think that's the, 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 well, and Clancy Brown, his performance as the Kurgan yeah. is, is, uh, um, I mean, it's we a got st- a cool a villain with this part one. Of the he first one. he yeah. makes that movie. He yeah. does. He, he does. Yeah. He turns it up to like 13. Yes. On, <laughs> on the, on the Hammond it up scale. Like you like, um, Alan Rickman as the sheriff of Nottingham. He's got nothing. <laughs> right. On, yeah. On Clancy Brown. And so there's that, but we do get that with Michael Ironside. That is yeah. true. We, that is true. We do get that, um, some of the little things I like in the first one, Connor McLeod tells a little girl that he rescues at some point, like in World War his, II, in World War II or something, and she's like, "How is it?" And he's like, "It's it's a kind of it's a type of magic. Yeah, it's it's a kind of magic." And that gets referenced a couple of times, mm-hmm. so you're just like, "Oh," uh, having watched the first one somewhat recently, it's like, "Oh yeah, it's yeah, a kind of right. magic." And so there's little there there are little references to the first one that are great, but. It's just it's just hard when you have to change the entire premise, yeah, to to get the movie made. Michael Ironside is pretty hammy in the sequel here, and <laughs> I would have to say John C. McGinley as well. Yes, yes. Are, you know they're kind of a duo of uh, villains, and are they as good as Clancy Brown? Probably not. No, I don't think so. I don't think you can top that, but they're they're up there. So I, I have a quote from Michael Ironside. Oh, good. I was going to look it up. <laughs> so uh, I, I'll bleep out the swear yeah. words. So this is Michael Ironside said, yeah, listen, I hated that script. We all did. <laughs> Me, Sean, Chris, we were all in it for the money on this one. I mean, it, it read as if it had been written by a 13-year-old boy. 
but but I I'd never played a barbarian swordsman before, and this was my first big evil mastermind type. I figured if I was going to do this stupid movie, I might as well have fun and go as far over the top as I possibly could. All that eye rolling and foaming at the mouth was me deciding that if I was going to be in this piece of beep, like like in a piece of bleep like that movie, I was going to be the most memorable bleeping thing in it, and I think I succeeded. <laughs> Okay, he absolutely did. Like, okay, I didn't care about his backstory one bit, but when he jumped on that train (laughs) and somehow made it go 700 (laughs) miles an hour, killing everybody on board just with speed. And he's just like, yes, yes. And when he gets me, he's like, end of the line. (laughs) I I hated that scene. (laughs) Okay, explain why. Because. Okay, so this train, it's a subway train, and he start, you know, he takes the driver out, and then he puts it in fifth gear or whatever it starts, and it just takes forever to go up, and then you're like, okay, it's 150 miles an hour, whoa, this is crazy, and then it just keeps going more and more, and it's like, we know this is over the top. And it ends up going seven. What was it like? Seven hundred like, miles. Yeah, 700 miles. Not yeah. exaggerating. Seven hundred miles an hour. No way it could do this. There, the people. So there's wind inside the train. Somehow, somehow there's wind, and the passengers are like holding onto bars, and, and there's like you know feathers and wind blowing, and then they do a close-up face of someone, and I, where it's like makeup, and it's just like not their a real person's face, out. and their eyes are bugging out, and and you're like, okay, well, you know this is over the top, but. It, it went on for so long yeah. that it was like, come on, guys. I, this okay. is just, this is wrong. So I just looked on Wikipedia. The speed of sound, Mach 1, is 767 oh. miles an hour. He went Mach 1 in a subway. just hits a wall and it like stops like right. like five feet after that yeah. it breaks through a wall and it's it doesn't keep going but it just stops after like another five feet yeah so like 700 to, through the wall. 700 miles an hour to zero in like yeah. five feet so. <laughs> yeah it only bumps out like 10 feet out of this very yeah. 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 brick wall exactly. exactly i like how that whole thing was prefaced oh. with him going through he beats up some first he beats up one guy when the lights go out, like when they go past the thing, then he's like stomping through and kind of punching people as he goes. And there's a kid sitting there all by himself and he picks him up and he, he like holds him up face to face. And he's like, have you always wanted to drive one of these things? And the kid's like, yeah. And he's he like, me too. Puts him and down. He just puts him down and then walks into the driver's thing. It's like, what? I was, I was like, I even said this during the movie. I was like, oh, please, he's going to throw this kid out of the train. I was like, this movie just redeemed itself. And it did not. No. But then it did in the best way. My favorite part of that was when. There's the close-up of the guy whose face smacks into the window, and he slowly drags along with all that fake blood. Right. Yeah. yeah, the gusher scene. Uh, unnecessary, yeah. So, Michael Ironside is pretty fantastic in this, though. Like, he throughout. is. He is. Um, 
Was if only it? was this way in the next Karate Kid, right? What would have that been? I mean, he kind of was. In the next Karate was, Kid, yeah. he was just mean, though. I mean, he was just like mean and unlikable. He, yeah, he wasn't. In this, as over he the was top. like not really likable, well, but he was just fun to watch. He was just having fun. <laughs> At and least in this big... one, you knew he hated McCloud, right? Yeah, and he had this big Joker's grin, and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I feel like he'd be really popular with like the incel crowd. Right? Like, he seems like he's got that kind of vibe going. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they like to drive trains? <laughs> That's just that I'm going to make a face to make you think I'm extra aggressive and mean right. and oh. I'm possessed by a demon or something. Right. And trench coats. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, I mean, there's a ton of stuff we can talk about, like the character, the, the actors and stuff. Uh, I, I was just thinking Connor McLeod, the character, he starts off the movie, he's an old man, he's at the opera, he's drifting off, and then he has a flashback to when he gets married to John Connery. On Zeist. On Zeist. And, and they, so they got banished to Earth for a, a rebellion. They were, they were rebels, and yeah. that, they were sentenced mm-hmm. to immortality on Earth unless they have their head cut off. And the, and the judge just spits out all this exposition. Yeah. Um, and uh, Katana didn't like that. He wanted him killed, and so they get banished to Earth and to be immortal. And and then part of the retcon is like, once they become the only one, they have the choice to return to Zeist and be forgiven, and be forgiven, mm-hmm. or to just grow old and die. Yeah, which is McCloud's goal. It's just yeah. just to die. I mean, just, they even say he's weeks away from dying. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's going to die soon. And that, and he, he's an old man, and he is. You get the impression he's ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's ready to be done, and he's when he, he went to the opera. So yeah, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> he was hoping that would he, do it. Oh, you know, he was probably upset because there was no fat lady to sing. Oh right. So, <laughs> um, but so he, his character, he's he's done, and then he's at a diner. Yeah, and a drunk woman attacks him, and it cuts his hand. But this is about well, the same. She was the fat woman. Yeah, she wasn't singing though. <laughs> um, but uh, she didn't sing. Maybe she'd sing. This would have been over. <laughs> Movie would have been over. Uh, but that's about the time that the porcupine bird guys yeah. show up, and so his hand heals really quickly, and he gets mad. He's like, "Not again!" Like <laughs> he's immortal again. But did you notice that as soon as he does, like he's forced to defend himself, yeah. right? Yeah. The quickening happens. He's super young, and then all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, he's back in it. He's like, all right, I'm hot and young. Yeah, and look, there's an attractive woman here now, and I'm totally cool with being immortal again. (laughs) And I happen to know that she's a terrorist against the organization that I started. I saw it on the news (laughs) literally 40 seconds before, and I've got my trench coat back. Right, Right. yeah. Told her to climb into a dumpster while I was an old man. Which she did, and then she comes out of the dumpster, and I'm a young man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like magic. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. Well, actually, that was one of the, my favorite parts, is she tries to recap the whole convoluted backstory. Oh, yes. So she's, yeah, she's, re, she's reiterating them. So you're not really mortal, but you were, and or now you you're are. You're not mortal there. You're mortal here. You're, yeah. And yeah. he's like something like that. Yeah, so she's super confused as we all are, and right. he's like yeah. and he's just like something like that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I think they knew. 
that this was not going to be great, <laughs> right? Like the writers, like I don't know how that didn't how that made it out of the writers' room. Oh well, okay. So <laughs> they go to Argentina to film it for whatever reason. I think it was to save money. I don't know, but the Argentine economy like kind of collapses and while they were there, while they're there, and costs skyrocket. So the insurance company, the backers, they panic. And they want a rewrite because they're like, we got to get something that's going to make us the most money. Yeah. And so they rewrote it. Director hated it. He like got kicked out basically. Uh, here's another. Christopher Lambert was so disgusted with the rewritten script he wanted to drop out of the movie, but he was contractually obligated to finish it. Yeah. So there's our tie-in to from Justin to Kelly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a Nexus movie. There's a lot of like little connections to other movies we watch. And there's a will they won't they thing with. Him and Sean Connery. Him and Ramirez, yeah. Yeah. And Ramirez does look like a killer. He does. (laughs) And the girl, the girl who played the love interest in this, what's her name? Virginia Madsen. Madsen. She said she took the role because she wanted to go to Argentina. (laughs) I mean, it's no Rome, but like if you're going to go somewhere. (laughs) She's uh, our first contender for the first nominee for the the Christopher Plummer Plummer Award. For the Plummer Award. (laughs) Yeah, so that is how. So, like, when the movie started, I'm like, remember, guys, this movie has four writers. (laughs) And. Yeah, they just had to get it out and Were, didn't have a choice. Was it four writers at the same time? <laughs> or was it like a choose-your-own-adventure kind it of was, writer thing? Here, you take I'm the so- first 15 minutes, you take the second 15 minutes, Honestly, and they don't ever talk to each other. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm it's sorry kinda... to say, but all four were overpaid. <laughs> uh, and so... neither of them actually watched the first one? Uh, well, yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, actually... Um... There were a lot of people in the first one that were involved, mm-hmm. uh, but I lost my train of thought. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> when it came to... So did the sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of them had seen it. <laughs> oh. So I know I'm kind of jumping around, but we can talk just a little bit about some of the behind the scenes thing. So it was directed by Russell Mulcahy? Uh, I don't. Yeah. Uh, he he's known for The Highlander, mm. uh, Scorpion King two. Amazing movie. Oh my gosh! He did The Shadow. I don't know. If you guys remember The Shadow with Alec yeah. Baldwin? Uh-huh. Uh huh. He. I like how you have one here. A lot of documentaries about musicians. Oh yeah. So <laughs> if you look, if I looked on his IMDb page, he did something like Madonna this, Duran Duran this, like oh wow. uh, like kind of little documentary huh. videos about certain albums um he probably directed some music videos um he left the premiere after 15 minutes because he was so disgusted (laughs) with it and uh so wait a second i had to watch the whole thing (laughs) the director director left after 15 minutes so he what is wrong with this picture so part of the part of the uh uh, insurance company Uh, or, or backers like swooping in and taking over is they made everybody like you cannot bag on this movie, you can't attack this movie. Oh god! And he wanted to he wanted to do the Alan Smithy thing, where they changed their name to Alan Smithy if they oh, don't right. want their name as yeah. the director. Yeah, yeah. And that was viewed as attacking the film, <laughs> so he was forced to have like his real name on it. Oh poor wow. man! But he contractually obligated. Yes. yes. 
the original from Justin to Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a new award. <laughs> the contractually obligated. Contractually award. obligated. <laughs> so he, uh, he's you know he's done a number of things you've heard. I mean, it, everybody in this they've been in a lot of things, and I looked at it and I was like, how many of these things are people going to recognize? So things I listed are things that maybe people are going to recognize, or things I thought were notable. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie had 13 producers. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So four writers, 13 producers. Um, I'm feeling like there's a how many of these people to take a screw and a light bulb joke coming up here. But <laughs> yeah. Like, um, so I, I just listed Guy Collins as the executive producer because there was a ton of them. Um, he does a lot of, he's involved in a lot of other Highlander movies and TV show. Space Truckers was another one he produced. Mm. Um, the, there's the four writers. They're all... Uh, so, Brian Clemens, he wrote an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I thought that Brack would be interested in that. Cool. Uh, and he wrote The Watcher in the Woods. They all did a lot of TV show like episodes. Yeah. yeah. Writers on. Um, so, I wanted, to, I wanted to point out, Stuart Copeland did the music. I thought the soundtrack was fine. Mm-hmm. It was weird in a it few was... places. Like, the bagpipes, I think, was a weird choice. <sighs> and... There was the 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 Lone whatever, Ranger the Lone Ranger thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing Grace was the highlight of the film. <laughs> yeah. So weird. there was a sword fight scene where I kept thinking I and I said it out loud. I wish there was Queen playing right now mm-hmm. rather than this music. It didn't seem like it fit. Yeah. the movie. Yeah, I mean the first movie Queen basically did the soundtrack. They did just, so many just like Flash songs Gordon. for it, and yeah. it was so great. The music in the first one is so yeah. great, and this one. It wasn't bad, but you really miss Queen. I mean, when they the the sound the scores really shown when it borrowed the Queen. That's right. Yep. songs from the first one, and there was a Queen song that he puts on on the jukebox. In the jukebox, mm-hmm. yeah. But so I mean, I thought it was fine. It was there were some weird choices, like Amazing Grace <laughs> right. on the bagpipe was was incredible. Um, but I wanted to point out that he scored the music for Alone in the Dark, the new Nightmare, a video game. So there's another tie-in to a movie we watched. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, he did a lot of video, has a lot of video game credits. She's All That. I I think I saw that movie back I in I love the... that movie. I... They just came out with a, a, like a remake called He's All That. Hmm. It's like out now. Are we going to watch it? Oh, man. Ooh, uh, it's a sequel. I think my wife started yeah. watching it, Double and feature. she's like, it is not the first movie. <laughs> she's like, yeah. that's so bad. First one is Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, right? Freddie Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the cinematographer's done a lot of. He was the cinematographer on Casino Royale, Casino Royale, I should say, Legend of Zorro, Golden Eye, but Saint. also Bicentennial Man. So I mean, on that though, like, what did you guys feel about the sets, the cinematography, like, like everything? The, whole look, the entire movie is largely blue. Design. Because they're under the dome, right? It was but very what did, you, what did you think of just the cinematography? All you know, script aside, uh, production design and cinematography. I I did like the production design. I did like the feel of it. I I did feel like so for me watching. So let me just talk a little bit about my experience with watching the first movie. I felt like the first movie, Highlander, I watched a couple weeks ago. I felt it was very much ripping off. I get that there's there a lot of people love it. I'm sorry. I didn't really like the first one. 
Uh, but I felt like it was ripping off in a lot of ways, return of, you know, Star Wars and the Terminator had a lot of feel of the Terminator in this one. I felt like they were really, really trying to rip off Blade Runner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the production design, the um, street scenes with the billboards and like the ropes over the yeah. the streets. And then also and the all interior. the matte painting. It's always yeah, the matte painting. And then also the interior of the office with the blue light and yeah, like the, the giant fans. fan blades mm-hmm. in yeah, the office behind the Blade desk Runner. was very, very yeah. Blade Runner. And I, you know, it don't think that's necessarily a bad choice. It no. was, it's a really, it had a really good look, but I didn't find it, it was, very original. It was also mixed with a lot of Tim Burton Batman style. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was those two things mixed together. Like that mm-hmm. whole battle with the, the dude with the wings. Yeah. It really felt like it could have been. I, it felt like that could have come straight out of Batman. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, Batman stuff was much better done. Than yeah, this. yeah, it was much right. more colorful. I mean, there was that scene where he, what he the, he runs into the rope and his his head gets knocked <laughs> off, and then the wings <laughs> fall into the wall. I mean, it looks so bad. It was comical. <laughs> so a guy gets decapitated by a rope, and he runs into it at like three miles an hour. It's really, really <laughs> slow. They they didn't. They should have sped it up. Yeah, and, it was. And it was it poorly was edited. Yes. Well, they could have touched that up a little bit it, better. For, for a movie that's very clearly R, right? Right. Like, it was a very, like, PG kind of death scene. Like, yeah, his head right. just goes... <laughs> and just pops off and, like... Yeah. And then his body just keeps going. You're like, oh, I guess he's dead. Yeah. Somebody yeah. said, wasn't his... Where was his, his head... Con- attached with Velcro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looked like. Yeah. I thought the cinematography was fine. Mm-hmm. The spiral staircase oh, scene... that was... Where, sickening. Uh, yeah. what's, what's her name? Uh, Virginia Madsen. Louise. Yeah. Louise, yeah, Louise yeah. is going up the stairs, and she's watch. She's looking at the camera. I mean, not. It's it's a like, clever idea. I mean, mm-hmm. it 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 was kind of cool looking, yeah. but it made you seasick because she's walking up the spiral staircase, and I move my finger like people can yeah, see, yeah. It, like the listeners can see, but it's spinning. It's spinning around, and she's walking up the stairs, and we're so get, she and we're is always dizzy. in the exact same Seems, place on yeah. screen. Yeah, and the whole stairwell is turning around her so that she's always in the same place and man i I don't get motion sickness and stuff very easily but i I had to like look away from that that was i i I know the cinematographer was like guys i've got the coolest (laughs) shot there was no thematic reason other than her walking up some stairs i don't even remember why she was going she was was going upstairs to snoop on his past but um yeah i think what it was was like hey why waste this fan that's going to kill Sean Connery? Let's put the camera on it and have her walk up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a money-saving movie. And instead they killed us. This was yes. a neo-noir like Blade Runner mm-hmm. in the way it looked and felt. Um, it was probably the strength of the movie in a lot of respects was the cinematography and production design, yeah. I would say. I mean, it was at least consistent. I mean, we talked about the 40s feel... Yeah. And the Blade Runner and the, uh, I mean, those looks were consistent through everything. So that my, was my only minor nitpick. There was it wasn't super consistent on the lighting, right? Like, oh yeah. Supposedly the entire world has been under this solar shield, right, for thirty something years. The people have not seen the sun or right. light from the sun, right? I would expect everybody to be like that main character from the movie Powder, where right, yeah, they're just yeah. absolutely white as snow his name's powder powder is the main <laughs> character yeah i want to be clear that people right, don't talk yes. about the movie powder 
Um, but then there's scenes where there's plenty of very warm sunlight coming from somewhere. And it in just, some shots, it's just yeah. weird. Like, you know, like when they're inside, sometimes it's blue shining in and sometimes it's a very bright sunlit mm-hmm. something. I don't know. It's well, very nitpicky. But... I did appreciate the fact that Sean Connery was the most tan in the movie. And he came from a different time period. Yeah, so. he did. Well, he's he's also Egyptian, also Egyptian, Spanish. Yes, that's there's that's that right. too. So <laughs> he's anyway. also the oldest man in Scotland. Yes, his skin tone was. I'd say if I could uh, compare it to someone, I would compare it to um, Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. So Christopher Lambert. <laughs> oh, I just want to go back since we're talking about the cast. Christopher Lambert's acting. I honestly felt like he was better in the first Highlander movie than he was uh, in Mortal Kombat. But really, his voice for me, I've come to realize, it's not is not good. He should have been a silent movie star yeah. and not ever. I 100 agree with you. Well, like, and his voice. So, what else has he been in? Because in my mind, he's always the Highlander, uh, and I'm really realizing after watching this movie that I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else other than wasn't he as Tarzan? Raiden? He was in Greystoke, The Legend oh. of Tarzan. That was did his he talk big like thing. that? I don't think he had a lot of dialogue right, in that movie. Honestly, Tarzan I don't think. Talk. I don't think he. Clayton. Yeah, he, he didn't speak. He sounds like he so- always sounds like he is like. You know when you're trying to whisper, but you're also trying to be loud? Yeah. Right? You're like, hey, hey, you! He's got this, yeah, this, this, this husky something, something voice. It's like he smokes a couple packs a day. But it's, but it's comical. Yeah, it is. It sounds funny. He's trying to be like a, uh, like Clint Eastwood. But he's not being no. clean. He has his. He doesn't have the punch him in the throat right before they go. Right before they roll the cameras. So, (laughs) I envision. I envision Mr. Lambert sitting in front, you know, in his in his trailer, and his using his real voice. He's like, yeah. "Okay, we're we're really just gonna knock it out of the park today." Which I'm I'm gonna that's get my gruff. Voice. I've gotta get my gruff voice. Yeah, that's on, what it right? is. Like, yeah, he's like trying so hard to, like, to have wood, a deep but he's voice. A tenor, yeah. not a baritone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so he <laughs> it just never works. It does not work when. <laughs> When the girl, when Louise asks him, like, "Who are you?" and he's like, "I'm Connor McCloud." That's that's what it sounds like the whole time. It's like he's grunting, like he's trying yeah. to. He's on the toilet. Yeah. He's like, "Don't but you he, know?" He doesn't actually. He doesn't do that consistently because sometimes he Connor. just sounds normal, like normal for him, but normal. Yeah. It's, when he's trying to be tough, he's like, "I'm Connor McCloud, the Clam McCloud," and, and I, I know he had. Die. I know he had fun with Sean Connery, but you hear Sean Connery's voice even with his thick accent. Yeah. Sean Connery's got a great voice. Yeah, he does. And you're listening to him talk, and then you listen to, to uh, Christopher Lambert talk, and you're just like, what is going on? These guys, this doesn't go. It well, was just weird. It's like, if you've seen, I don't remember which Avengers it is, but it, when it's like Star-Lord meets Thor, mm-hmm. and Thor like, has this yeah. super deep, rich baritone yes. voice, and Star-Lord is like, I'm... Uh, I, I'm the captain. I am the captain. They're like everybody's <laughs> yes. like, are you deepening your voice? He's like, no, this is my voice. And they're like, you're clearly voice. deepening yeah. your voice. Like, that's McCloud the yeah. entire movie. Yep. Right. Well, actually, that segues nicely because uh, John McGinley plays Blake, who's like the he's like the co-villain. Yes, he's the greedy CEO. Guy. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
to listeners, John uh, McGinley is he's in Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in Office Space. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in a ton. He, he's in a, a he's in a stuff. lot of stuff. Everybody in this movie's been like in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, I think that's what he's most recognizable for a lot of people is he's the he's the grumpy doctor on Scrubs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he he plays he, he even says that he tried to to channel like an Orson Welles type voice and he went he's like i shouldn't have tried to do my voice as deep as i was trying to yeah. do my voice because he did seem pretty ridiculous it seemed like and, he was always trying to make his voice low yeah <laughs> deep so hey, everybody. he was the star lord in this situation yes, right <laughs> totally <laughs> so although i gotta say when uh when michael ironside's character katana shows up at the board meeting uh he mcginley does a great job of being like this super arrogant tough ceo guy then when he sees katana recover from being shot multiple times and then kill the his assailant and then he goes to kind of cowardly high voice i yeah, right. I, yeah. I thought he did a really good job yeah. of of trying to be trying to act tough but knows that he's on thin ice i also agree with you nate <laughs> so thanks star lord <laughs> you said they they've made more movies of this mm-hmm. highlander yes. Two more movies. Two more. Yeah, Highlander they, Three, The Sorcerer. Yep. Do High- they recognize and is Lambert in them, and or have they just been like, uh, let's? I, let's so in modern parlance, or three happened. and four are canon. One, three, and four are canon, and number two is ignored and not considered. Yeah, okay. they pretend it doesn't. They exist. pretend that it doesn't exist. Okay. And there's the TV show as well, which is really cool. Okay. So I'm. Not going to watch three and four, but are three and four better? It sounds like they might. Be I honestly better than don't this know. If two is the one they cut out. Yeah. Uh, I know that Highlander fans love them all. Okay. Uh, except for two. Except for two. I don't know why. I know. Come on. <laughs> like, seriously, any movie that has Mach 1 subway trains is a winner in my well, book. Or it tries to explain the whole mythology <laughs> as they're aliens. Yeah, mm. I mean it's like midichlorians. Yeah, right? it totally like, is. Yeah, so they so that's I think the thing that Lambert and the director like and I, like everybody hated. Yeah, was that that change? Yeah, and so it's even gone so far as the director when he did his director's cut, they call it the renegade version. Yeah, because he tries to cut all that stuff out. Yeah, and make it so they they came from some other part of Earth's history. Right, where they had. A technology to time travel or something. So you're telling me this is double retconned? Yeah. So they got a retcon there movie. Is that... Retcon square. <laughs> the, the director's version is double retcon. Yeah, that's like the square root of a negative number. <laughs> <laughs> that's abstract. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> like I don't want to do math. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So the there and there are alternative end. There's like three or four different endings to this film. So there's the ending we had where... Yeah, just let it end. Is. Just let it end. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, we got to talk about the ending. Talk about oh, the three, though, the and then I have something to say. So there's so there's the ending we saw. Yes. Where Connor McLeod... <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Where he uh, he destroys the laser beam Laser thing. beam, yeah. And... Um, with love. With power of friendship. Because uh, Sean Connery's going to take both of you to... To fix this, where she just stands there, but um, <laughs> right. so it's like the power of friendship or the power of love. So he, 
he does it. He steps inside the big laser beam thing, and I guess it's like a super quickening. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. like, he... So he wins. Then they they are standing in the moonlight and kiss or whatever. Right. There's another ending that he goes back to Zeist. He floats away. He floats away. <laughs> and then there's another ending of that that she floats away with him. Yeah. And those are the three endings. <laughs> like, they float up in the beam? No. Uh, I think they just float away. Float away. Uh, um, okay. Matt painting. Yeah, like so the land of matte paintings where he sounds from. about right. Yeah. So, uh, listen. The whole point <laughs> of this movie, or, or I guess of the whole make it make laser sense, beam <laughs> plot, is that these people have not seen the sun in decades, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's totally safe now. There's all this. Uh, stuff where she's talking about I wish I could just see the sky and he's talking about green grass and blue sky and how beautiful the sun is and stuff they finally shut it down and it's nighttime. <laughs> oh, well she and gets to see the sun because they go above the shield and they're on the top she goes of the, up on the mountain on the right mountain. but still the rest of the world it ends and it's nighttime and you can't even tell that there's anything different yeah because it's just as dark well, as it was I mean, a minute ago. And it's like, that's New a missed York. opportunity. <laughs> maybe they set that up for the sequel because they know that everyone needs sunblock before yeah. they get sun for the yeah. first time in like right. decades. So, and so they could just really burn to a crisp if they showed that on scene. You know, so that's what camera. S.H.I.E.L.D. Corporation should have just been ready to transition right into. Because that, that, yeah. that was that guy's motivation. Is like, don't turn the S.H.I.E.L.D. off or we're going to go bankrupt. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, dude, just... Turn the market on, corner the market on sun supplies. Yeah. So I don't want to go down any of these routes, but too late. There's too many plots. Yeah. Right. There's the whole, I'm old McLeod now. I'm young McLeod. I was mortal now. I've been quickened and I'm immortal again. Oh crap! There's the whole stupid Zeiss thing where yeah. it's like you are judged and nothing ever really happens with that. You've got Katana who's I'm angry at you for something. And I'm going to get my revenge. Right. There's the whole her with cobalt force or whatever right. it's called. That's trying to stop the yeah. shield, I think. But that goes away five Instantly. minutes after. Yeah. Like, she's got a crack team of infiltrators that break in. And then you never hear about that again after they start making out. Like, none of it makes any sense. Like, they, they, they start so many plots. Like, yeah. I feel if they'd picked one or two of those... It would have probably been one easier to follow, yeah, and two probably would have been more fun and easier to execute on. Yeah, well, I mean, you got a motivation issue too, right? So uh, Katana wants him dead, right? All he has to do is wait him out, literally uh, two weeks. <laughs> and so he's he, but he sends his goons. They he, even point that out, like yeah. his goons or somebody is like, yeah. he's about to die. Yeah, like wouldn't he just die anyway? Shouldn't we just wait a couple of weeks? And he sends him. Yeah. So like. And by doing so, makes him immortal. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> even even with that, it just seems stupid. It's like, why not just go yourself then? Like, yeah, right. if you're so hell bent on killing this guy and you hate him so much, do it yourself. Yep. Or you know when you've when you've got when you've got him, you're behind him and he doesn't know you're there. How about you don't ex- do the extendo blade thing and, and warn him that you're there? Right. <laughs> I would have just picked one of the mortal people from Zeist Dumb. <laughs> to not trigger the okay, I'm immortal again. Right. It'd just be like bap bap, shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> I feel like we were really too kind to this movie. We we talked about a lot of things that we enjoyed yeah. and had fun with, 
but this movie seemed really long to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, it's I, 90 I, minutes. Was the only, it was 90 minutes long, yeah. but it did not feel like 90 it was, minutes. It was slow. Yeah, it was. And then and the battle at the end was very anticlimactic. And Way the last so. half hour was felt like an hour to yeah. me. The sword fight between Ramirez and the Highlander was better than his fight yes. with Katana at the and end. Longer. And longer. Yeah, and longer. Yeah. And more romantic. Yeah. And, and yeah, that was very disappointing. And the quickening at, after the last battle was just so short. Yeah. Yeah. It was like they ran out of, of quickening budget. Like, think about, like, Hiroshima the first time. So. The first couple times. And then, like, a tiny little firecracker. Yeah. When he defeats the big boss. <laughs> That's yeah. right. In the first movie. So. What we are seeing there is, once again, he is the, there can be only one, he mm-hmm. is the only one, and he should be getting, like, the gift again, or something, right? But in the first movie, when he defeated the final boss, the Kurgan, there was, like, I mean, the quickening was so long. Yeah. And there was all this animated, like, dogs and stuff, like, these spirits that were all going into him. It was uh, kind of out of place, but it was epic. Um and then this one, it was just like, it was so nothing. They blew, they blew their budget on the stupid space laser. That's right. Which, shield we, thing we in that can't scene. put well, that they, much electricity. Like, we only have so much white and blue ink. We cannot make lightning in this scene and have the laser beam. Well, they had the Kurgan level the first time he gets the, when he kills the yeah. first dude. Yeah. Well, he doesn't even kill That's him. That's true. The, he gets, the guy's head gets run over by, gets decapitated because he gets oh. run over by like a Yeah, he doesn't do it himself. Trolley car. That's right. And... And that's when you have, like, the Kurgan-level quickening. Yeah. Which I guess in some ways makes sense because he's so old. Re-immortalizing. It's, it's been, like, 30 years since he's quickened. Um, if that's a... I, I have one <laughs> one question. We just mentioned, we kind of went over this a little bit, but what happened to Sean Connery? Um, so, first of all, I want to know what the heck happened with the fan like he did some kind of magic you guys have any understanding of what that was and then number two are we supposed to assume he got killed by this thing uh to number two i think yes okay uh i why didn't anyone get quickened by it oh sorry i shouldn't poke holes in this story (laughs) (laughs) this was airtight before that (laughs) anyway so i think he does that weird quote about most people just kind of drift through life and he's uh-huh. like but if you can concentrate it all in one moment so i think maybe that was both a metaphor and a literally that he was putting all his life force uh-huh. into raising up that fan so that the other two With could the escape bagpipes playing oh it, so he does an amazing grace on the bagpipes comes in really loud <laughs> and <laughs> He pushes the fan up he, with magic. Yeah, he uses magic and he pushes the fan up. And then they can, now they suddenly can open the door, which is yeah. the reason they couldn't get yeah. out in the first place. And then he just lets the fan come down on him and there's a big explosion. Okay. Well, that's sad. <laughs> R.I.P. So, <laughs> so that was stupid. Yeah. Um, what, what does everybody think of this movie? Bracken, I'm going to start with you because I know that you are a huge fan of this movie already. <laughs> yeah, so I felt like the you know this is just kind of background. I watched the first Highlander. I did feel like the first Highlander movie, while I saw a lot of good fun things about it, why maybe there might be a big fan base and it might have a cult following. I didn't particularly care for the first one, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
there were it felt long in spots it don't i didn't feel like it held up if i had if i had seen the movie when i was younger when it came out in 1986 i may have really loved it but i didn't i saw it (laughs) two weeks ago and i was really over it so I wasn't excited to see the sequel because I heard it was even worse than the first one. <laughs> and guess what? I didn't enjoy it. Um, so it met your expectations. But I, I was surprised because for me, the alien stuff aside, I didn't feel like it was that different from the first one. Oh, wow. Honestly, I felt like it was in a lot of ways congruous with the first one. But it did have the weird uh, plot turns with the with and bringing Sean Connery back <laughs> some things that were didn't necessarily weren't consistent but I felt like the feel of it were was in a lot of ways similar to the first one if that makes sense less the the villain's not as fun as the first movie soundtrack's not as fun as the first movie um the sword fights and the acting were about the same as the first movie um Go watch the first movie. If you really want to find out about Highlander, watch the first one. But I didn't feel like this one was so great. I'd just say it was bad. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to quote you, and you tell me if this meets your expectations. So this was you communicating with us tonight, and I'm going to quote you. So are we still recording tonight? We don't have to if you don't want to. I will totally understand. I mean, the first one was bad enough, guys. What are you doing to me? Please, let's not do this. Can't we do something else? Are you sure we want to do this? Fine. I'll see you at eight. Now, does, does that stellar preview of tonight's events meet your we expectations? We hadn't even seen it yet at that point. Yeah, that's that's about it. Okay. So, okay. All right. That's awesome. I'm the host, so I get to go last. Got it. I, so... I don't think I've seen this for over 30 years, Mm -hmm. honestly. And I barely remember anything about it, if anything. I thought there were a couple fun scenes. I think there was just a hair of nostalgia. I was like, oh, right. And also, like a lot of the movies, I had to kind of take myself and put myself back into that time frame to say, like, is this a product of its time or am I just being overly harsh? I think even for its time, you know, which is reflected in the reviews and everything, it's it's not a great movie. There are a couple fun points, a couple sparks of genius, like a Mach 1 <laughs> subway train, <laughs> which is just <laughs> so absurd. I, it might be fun if you watch it with your friends, um, but I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it is exceptionally bad. I think it is just a bad movie. Yeah. Just a note for me, I think this was the quietest this group has been While for a movie that movie. we watched a movie yet if, uh, in three seasons. I think there was less laughter tonight than... There was a lot of, wait, what? And <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. Hol- Try- wait, hold on, hold on. Rewind Somebody that. explain what we just yeah. saw. <laughs> yeah, even Battlefield Earth, uh, yeah, that's true. which I would probably watch this movie over Battlefield Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Even Battlefield Earth, I feel like there was more laughter during that <laughs> viewing by this group. Yeah. So I uh, I loved the original Highlander and the Highlander TV series from the 90s. Um, I love swords and sword fighting. Um, 
but I don't think I've ever seen Highlander two uh, until just today. I wa- I rewatched the first movie just a couple of days ago to refresh myself and and prepare. And uh, it occurred to me that a thing that we're going to have to face throughout this season of sequels is we're going to have to look at these movies kind of from two lenses. One, as a movie itself, is it good? Is it bad? Is it exceptionally bad as a movie? Mm -hmm. And also, like, compared to the original, like, Mm -hmm. how does it fit? And I will say uh, for this movie... Number one, uh, as a sequel to the original movie, this is absolutely horrendous. It is offensive to me <laughs> that they even made this movie after that original. And look, I, I mean, I agree with Bracken as far as the first movie goes. You know, I have fond memories of it, and I get scared nowadays now that I have more experience and with movies in general and, and what makes a good movie that I go back and watch some of the movies that I loved as a child and realize, Oh, those were bad movies, you know? And really, I think that the first Highlander, uh, is not a great movie. It's not well made, but even though it's not well made, uh, by the end of watching it yesterday or whenever it was, I was like, Oh man, I still feel that like that love of how awesome it is. The concepts in it, even though there's a million holes, right? This movie does not support that at all, and it's just, like, horrible. Um, Leave well enough alone. Uh, (laughs) Then uh, looking at it as a movie in itself, like, if you ignore, like, if you pretend the first movie didn't ever even exist and you do do this, it's so convoluted. Um, It is, like, it's visually got a lot of style. Um but the writing is so bad, so many different directions. I mean, you've heard us tonight talk about 70 different plots in it and uh, still be confused about a lot of stuff. Um, this is not a good movie, and I don't think it's fun for anyone to watch. Uh, and I'm sorry if you feel like it's fun and you, you know, if you watch it and you love this movie, I- I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for you not <laughs> anyway so this is a bad movie yeah. okay uh, I would say I don't I've, we started recording a long time ago so if I already said this I apologize but I saw this before I saw Kylander yes um, and I, I like the I like what Ben is saying if you look at it on its own on its own it's a train wreck yeah, seven hundred mile per hour subway. Yeah. It's a Mach, yeah. Mach one subway train wreck. <laughs> uh, so things. So yeah, as, as a continuation of of the first movie, like as a sequel, uh, the critical consensus little blurb on Rotten Tomatoes is there should have been only one, and I cannot agree more with that sentiment. Uh, I have I have not seen three or four, so I don't know if they're any good. But um, so as far as that aspect of it, as a sequel to a movie that was clearly a one and done movie. It doesn't work. And as a standalone movie, I would say if Michael Ironside was as good as Clancy Brown was, I would recommend people watch it to watch his performance. He gave a great performance, but it wasn't, he couldn't carry the movie for me. Uh, Sean Connery 
I love Sean Connery. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen him where I was like I did not enjoy watching him act. But that that's the only two things it has going for it, in my opinion. And they don't overcome the mountain of of shortcomings. I and I appreciated that that the production design was consistent, but it made no sense to me that we have the technology to build a shield over the whole earth, <laughs> but we somehow reverted to the fifties on yeah. our automobiles and the diner. <laughs> like it was all art deco. Yeah. And so it's all old timey cars, except for Connor McLeod's Porsche that he drives. Right. Around. And so, and the military vehicles, when they go to the prison, which was a ridiculous thing that we didn't even mention. I don't think uh. we should bring up, but like it, it, you could have cut that out of the movie completely. But uh, so, I think that I have to agree with the rest of you guys that it was not exceptionally bad. It was just a bad movie. I, I couldn't in good conscience recommend someone watch this film. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it with you guys. And in fact, I was very excited to do this episode in the doing the research. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Everything about the background of this movie is, is very interesting. But the movie itself was... You could tell it had four writers <laughs> that... Like Michael Ironside said, it's written by a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> so I had four writers that maybe they were in different parts of the globe. Yeah. <laughs> and so they never met up. But Somebody sent in their portion of it and forgot or didn't realize that that was part of another film they were watching. It's like that college group project thing where somebody does most of it and then everybody comes in afterwards and layers on their tiny little pieces and it's just garbage by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so, yep, if I had to rank it in the Pantheon, I would watch it. I would also watch it over Battlefield Earth. It was more entertaining than that, but... Yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, well, so that's the show. Where can people find us if they're... Exceptionallybad.com. The guys at exceptionallybad.com. That's our email. And you can see us on our social media yeah. at exceptionallybad. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. Called Exceptionally Bad. And the Twitter is exceptionally bad. Just take out that E. Exceptionally bad. <laughs> and I think that's it. All right. Remember, it's better to burn out than to fade away. Bad movies with your friends. Bad movies with your friends. Oh, yeah. Ugh, that was terrible. Can we fix that in post?